This is Radio Health Journal. I'm Reed Pence. This week, the FDA's proposal to drastically reduce the nicotine in cigarettes. This gives the potential to virtually eliminate cigarette smoking. And if that occurred, it would be one of the greatest boons to public health that's occurred since sanitation. Regulating cigarettes to get people to quit when Radio Health Journal returns. Seventy percent of medical decisions are based on the findings of pathologists who also diagnose virtually all cancers. Given the importance of these decisions, the nation's largest and most complex laboratories ensure they're operating at the highest standards through inspection and accreditation by the College of American Pathologists. CAP inspects and accredits laboratories in 19 of the 20 top hospitals in the recent U.S. News and World Report rankings. Dr. Richard Friedberg is the CAP president. The CAP's laboratory accreditation program is internationally recognized as the most rigorous set of standards in laboratory science. Forty percent of the nearly 3,000 items on our inspection checklist exceed regulatory compliance because a patient's health is on the line. Every CAP inspection team includes one pathologist and a team of laboratory professionals. The CAP's exhaustive inspection checklists are updated annually to help laboratories stay on the cutting edge of medicine. Find out more at cap.org news. Fifty years ago, smokers were almost as common among American adults as non-smokers. That's changed a lot. Today, only about 15% of American adults smoke. Even so, smoking is blamed for about one in every five deaths, nearly a half million per year in the U.S. So now the government is thinking of doing something beyond warning labels and taxes to get people to quit. The FDA has come up with a proposal to drastically lower the nicotine content of all cigarettes sold in the U.S. to much less addictive levels. That would force smokers to look for nicotine someplace else. The study results to date show that if you reduce the nicotine in cigarettes substantially, we're talking about a 85 to 95 percent or more reduction in nicotine compared to cigarettes that are currently on the market, what you see is that current smokers tend to smoke less. They're exposed to less nicotine and report fewer symptoms of nicotine dependence. And in one study during a follow-up period, we saw an increase in quit attempts as a result of being in the low nicotine conditions. That's Dr. Eric Donny, director of the Center for the Evaluation of Nicotine and Cigarettes at the University of Pittsburgh. He's done a number of influential studies on smokers' response to very low nicotine cigarettes. And he says it's important to note that the FDA plan would go much farther than the so-called light cigarettes that came out in the 1970s, claiming a lower tar and nicotine content. The way that they reduced nicotine and tar was to ventilate the cigarette. The problem with those cigarettes and that approach is that smokers change their behavior. So they take deeper puffs, they put their fingers over those little ventilation holes in the filter, and they maintain their nicotine and, in fact, their tar exposure more than the machine would have predicted. So those cigarettes had just as much nicotine in the tobacco as a normal cigarette. The cigarettes that the FDA is talking about now would have tobacco with markedly reduced nicotine, either through currently available genetic engineering or through a process similar to removing caffeine from coffee. In that case, what happens is when someone goes to smoke these cigarettes, 
small changes in their behavior, like taking a larger puff or blocking the ventilation holes that are on many cigarettes, don't result in sizable changes in the amount of nicotine that you would expect would be delivered because the nicotine has been reduced in the tobacco itself. And so what we see is that people don't tend to compensate when you reduce it this way, when you actually reduce it in the tobacco, compared to the old light cigarettes of the past where you reduced it through ventilation. So if the FDA's plan goes through, cigarettes wouldn't have enough nicotine to get kids addicted. Current smokers wouldn't get what they want from a cigarette, even by smoking more or smoking harder. Yet Donnie says it wouldn't be as tough on smokers as you might think. What we see is that people do report some withdrawal symptoms, but they tend to be pretty minor. What we've known about withdrawal for a long time is that if people can smoke, even in the absence of nicotine, that actually suppresses some withdrawal symptoms because they get the same cues, the same stimuli that they're used to, and that helps to control some of the withdrawal. I think the other part to keep in mind about withdrawal is that if people do experience withdrawal when individuals are switched to a low nicotine cigarette, they can seek out other sources of nicotine. Switching smokers to low nicotine content cigarettes is only partially acceptable. So they do reduce their nicotine exposure by more than two-thirds, but they still smoke an occasional regular cigarette when they have these strong urges. Dr. Neil Benowitz is professor of medicine and bioengineering and therapeutic sciences and chief of the Division of Pharmacology at the University of California, San Francisco. He first proposed slashing the nicotine in cigarettes back in 1994. We think that if you make another source of nicotine available, that is satisfying, maybe not as satisfying as a regular cigarette, but almost as much, like an electronic cigarette, then the acceptability by society of reducing nicotine in regular cigarettes would be increased. And eventually, people would either go from regular cigarettes, reduce the nicotine and quit, or reduce the nicotine, go to e-cigarettes, and hopefully later quit the e-cigarettes. Electronic cigarettes get a big boost in the FDA's plan as it delays a requirement that the devices get FDA approval, a process that could bankrupt many independent e-cigarette makers and leave smokers with fewer alternatives. Dr. Joshua Sharfstein is professor of the practice at the Johns Hopkins University Bloomberg School of Public Health and a former FDA deputy commissioner. He says the plan is a shift in thinking at the FDA, years in the making, toward an overall nicotine strategy. For a long time, people have thought of e-cigarettes as just a standalone product, and people have argued about e-cigarettes back and forth. So there's some people who say e-cigarettes are really great because they help people quit smoking, we don't want people to smoke, and they don't have a lot of the other tar and cancer-causing chemicals that cigarettes have, so we should really be encouraging e-cigarettes. And then some people say, hold on a second, there are a lot of kids using e-cigarettes, and if they become addicted to nicotine, they could go on and use cigarettes, and they could also get sick from the nicotine and other problems with the e-cigarettes. So you have this sort of debate about e-cigarettes. And what the FDA did was said, basically, we shouldn't have a debate about e-cigarettes alone. We should take a step back and look at nicotine across all tobacco products, including cigarettes. The concept here is that the vast majority of the harm from smoking cigarettes or cigars or whatever comes from the combustion products. Um, in other words, what happens when you burn the tobacco leaf? It generates thousands of chemicals. It's a tar substance that's similar to what you see inside your barbecue, the thick black stuff in your barbecue. 
that comes from burning charcoal and burning fat from meat, say. But cigarette smoke is actually quite similar in terms of chemical constituents. And it's those chemicals, many carcinogens, many oxidating chemicals or oxidizing chemicals, that are what causes most of the human disease. Nicotine's not harmless, but it's thought to play a relatively small role in disease compared to the other products. This harm reduction approach would push smokers from dirty forms of nicotine delivery to cleaner, less harmful ones. Now, the cleanest form would be nicotine medication, which is pure. Unfortunately, nicotine medication is not an acceptable alternative to many smokers. They don't find it as satisfying. Nicotine is not absorbed as quickly. So then people started thinking about other forms of nicotine delivery that are much less dirty than cigarettes. And then electronic cigarettes appeared about 10 years ago or a little more. And so now there's been a big discussion about would it be better if people switched from regular cigarettes that are the most harmful to electronic cigarettes, which are satisfying to smokers, but which are much less harmful than regular cigarettes. So if I had a patient who had heart disease and couldn't quit smoking, but could switch these cigarettes, I would encourage them to do it with no question. But then once they are secure that they're not going to smoke cigarettes again, I would encourage them to try to get off nicotine as well. In theory, it makes a lot of sense. Smokers would be forced to take a step they might not otherwise, either quit or use something less deadly. This gives the potential of regulation, which is not very expensive to do for a society, to virtually eliminate cigarette smoking. And if that occurred, it would be one of the greatest boons to public health that's occurred since sanitation. However, some experts aren't quite so sure and say the FDA's plan is a good news, bad news scenario. I think that what they're doing is closing the door halfway, but the horse is still going to get out of the barn. I mean, e-cigarettes are already more popular with kids than conventional cigarettes are. That's Dr. Stanton Glantz, professor of medicine at the University of California, San Francisco, and director of the Center for Tobacco Control Research and Education. The good news is that they're talking about substantially lowering the nicotine levels in cigarettes. And another part of the proposal, they're talking about trying to deal with flavors, which is very, very important for attracting kids. The downside of what the FDA did was they essentially gave e-cigarettes a pass by pushing out the effective date of e-cigarette regulation from 2018 to 2022, which is going to allow the e-cigarette companies to continue to go wild and prey on kids in particular. But Glantz says while harm reduction is a good thing, he's not sure how much less harm the FDA's plan would really produce. He believes the agency is overselling the safety of electronic cigarettes. I mean, the FDA has embraced the tobacco industry's view of harm reduction in taking this policy. And, you know, my experience in dealing with this issue for many years is that generally you don't want to do it the way that tobacco companies are suggesting. And the presumption in what the FDA is doing is that by moving people to e-cigarettes, they're going to have, you know, substantial public health benefits. But e-cigarettes deliver ultrafine particles just like cigarettes do, and those contribute to heart disease. They contribute to non-cancer, lung disease, and other disease. And I think that the FDA strategies 
are going to have much less public health benefit than they would if they were truly comprehensive and also look to reduce all forms of nicotine delivery, not just combust cigarettes. Some advocates also worry that the plan could create a black market in full-strength cigarettes. But Sharfstein says that's the tobacco industry's go-to argument against everything. What's important, according to Glantz, is that now the science is there, supporting a big cut in nicotine. If we had been having this discussion five years ago, it would have been quite different because what I would be saying to you is, well, reducing the level of nicotine in cigarettes to non-addictive levels seems like a good idea, but there's a phenomenon of smoker compensation where if you lower the nicotine delivery, people will just smoke more, and so you would end up worse off. And certainly based on historically the way cigarettes have been designed and marketed, that was the case. But what the research that the FDA has supported in recent years has shown is that it is possible to design cigarettes that will actually deliver less nicotine. And when you give real smokers these much lower nicotine cigarettes, they smoke less, not more, and a lot of them quit. So the FDA has done a really good job of building the scientific basis for this policy. Other nations are considering similar changes, and Benowitz is optimistic about what that means. New Zealand and Canada have been actively considering proposals, and I think this is going to be sort of like a domino effect. I think if the U.S. can do it first, or even if Canada or New Zealand does it and is successful, then it's going to spread around the world, which could mean virtually getting rid of cigarette smoking throughout the world. For now, the FDA is gathering comments and opinions, but it's displayed its intent. It might be numbered in years, but it's clearly hoping the days of cigarettes are finally numbered. You can find out more about all of our guests on our website, RadioHealthJournal.net. I'm Reed Pence. Medical Notes This Week Experts estimate about 2 million Americans 12 or older have a substance abuse problem related to prescription pain relievers. However, that's a small slice of those who are prescribed opioids. A new study from the journal JAMA Surgery finds as much as 92% of patients never use their entire prescription, yet they don't dispose of the pills either. Researchers say this leads to an increased chance of pills being sold, abused, lost, or taken in error. Researchers say doctors need to take a more personalized approach to how they prescribe opioids instead of a one-size-fits-all approach. Eating more turkey may help your gut. Turkey and other protein-rich foods like dairy, nuts, and beans have high levels of the amino acid tryptophan, which helps activate cells restricting inflammation. A new study in Science finds that a combination of a certain bacteria and tryptophan could help patients with inflammatory bowel disease. And finally, many celebrity moms have been slammed on social media for their parenting choices, but a new survey from C.A. Ma Children's Hospital finds that mommy shaming isn't limited to celebrities. According to the survey, 60% of mothers say they have been criticized for their parenting, most often by their own parents, in-laws, or co-parent. 42% of mothers say the criticism has made them feel unsure about their parenting choices. And that's Medical Notes this week. Thank you for listening to Radio Health Journal, a production of MediaTracks Communications. If you enjoyed this week's show, please leave a review on iTunes or share it with a friend. 
You can find more Radio Health Journal stories about health, science, and technology on iTunes, Stitcher, and at RadioHealthJournal.net.